Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Let the Music Be Your Master. In fact, the first episode of our new season. Oh my gosh, that's right. Season three, baby. Season three, 2022 is here. What constitutes a new season for a podcast? You you ended on a cliffhanger, which we did. Yeah, of course we did. You know, always. You know what I was thinking? I don't know why Kick off a new season would be like some dope mix of a great song. Mm-hmm. But redone mm-hmm. in a new way. That would be a great way to kick <laughs> off a new season. <laughs> kind of like telling you something good, but maybe maybe even better than that. It could be. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything in mind, Brandon. I'm just Jason's cover. I'm trying to warm set you up. up. I'm trying to set you up for something, but it might just disappear. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I do okay. have not ready. A, I do have a more recent mix of this song, which was done on a different computer. Oh, but let, let's just play this as if it's the the final version. And just give can, the people yeah. a little taste. Yeah, of, of what uh, certain podcasters are capable of besides just their voices. going down there. I love that. Oh, what a key change. What genre is this, Brandon? Um, mood music? Okay. <laughs> Teddy Pendergrass? Ben- Teddy Pendergrass <laughs> meets something. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's... A little, little bossa nova thrown in there. <laughs> that's like if you were young in the 80s and now, you know, you're, you're, you're more distinguished and you're getting together with your lady. You got to, yeah. or you know, your significant other. <laughs> well, and if your lady really likes Dixie's Midnight Runners, <laughs> then you got to oh. meet. Yeah. <laughs> I think all right, we just, all right. I think we just figured out <laughs> our next together. project. <laughs> Dixie okay. Midnight Runners. We brought it full circle. So okay, we, we are here. to introduce again. We are the podcast. Let the music be your master. I'm Jordan Harmon, joined by Brandon Arnold, Steve Ricks, Jason Johnson. Yes, and today. Our topic, or our theme, is going to be music genealogy. Yes, music genealogy. We'll describe more about that and what the Are we the, doing the it? Bounds. Our music genealogy? We are doing it, our music <laughs> genealogy. And we'll describe more what that is. I'll, I'll go ahead and describe what the kind of outline of our lesson is. Our, our lesson. Yeah. This yeah. is Sunday school, by the way, <laughs> genealogy. Our, our theme is for today. But first, we're going to do, are we going to do Tell Me Something Good? Let's do, let's do voicemail voicemail first, while we, first while we got this locked and loaded listener voicemail, listener voicemail. Yeah. love it dr rex this is for you shout out to the garage boys oh that's us <laughs> i love your podcast however well, wait, 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 i think wait. you should do a show what? on new the best of new york bands one of my favorites steely dan can't buy a thrill Come on, do it again. 
I had parakeets named Steely and Dan. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> That's how much I love that band. Come on, Talking Heads and Blondie, all from New York. She's got a point. Velvet Underground. That's good. Great bands. Good idea. Yeah. How about a podcast on the blues? Would love that too. And oh, by the way, 1971, Almond at Fillmore East. Amazing album. What about Leon Russell, Ballad of Mad Dogs? Anyway, keep them coming. You guys are the best. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. So Steve, tell us about our, our caller. Yeah, that was an awesome voice memo from Hillary Cohen. Hillary's married to my cousin Jennifer, and she's an awesome, hilarious uh, New Yorker, uh, a yoga guru, and uh, has a lot of attitude. She's she's not she's not tall. She's a petite looking person, though quite strong as you might imagine, being a yoga guru. But then her personality is 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 huge. All uh, Rhea Perlman or <laughs> so we, I, could, I could imagine in that vein, yes. But anyway, she's been a big fan of the podcast for a while, which I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm I think I got I heard of a little little by little, but I had a nice chat with my cousin just on Sunday, and she was saying, "Oh, oh yeah, man, Hillary loves your podcast, and she's always listening, always talking to me about it." Da, da, da. And I was like, "Oh man, got to get her. She should she should write in." So this is a shout out to Hillary. Thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, I think those are so great ideas. The blues is on our list, it's on our right? List, yeah. I mean. The New York idea, I think all of us would resonate with that. Yeah. We we all mm-hmm. love bands that are New York centric, yeah. and and yeah. so I think that could be. And I don't think that was on our list, so that no. was really a great idea because it actually totally makes yeah, sense. We haven't yeah. thought so much about locations. Yeah, in general, location as a as a character is. We a can theme. follow it up by bands from Phoenix. Well, we did a, we did America <laughs> we did America versus England, right? But we haven't done we haven't zeroed in. Uh, the one the one that yeah. hurt me the most just because it, I, uh, I I felt the guiltiest about it Almond was, was the Almond Brothers. I mean. I, I don't know what to say. She's she's absolutely right on that one. Now it was a little bit tricky space because I think mentally for the exercise I was thinking of a studio recorded albums and that was a, a live performance, technically of a concert I think performed in 1970. But the album dropped. It was we huge. all know those kind of albums are spiced up in the studio though. It's an incredible album though. It phenomenal. I'll have to check it out. Like uh I don't normally live out al- love live albums, but it's uh, it's it has it actually hangs on my wall in my in well, my house. How about that for a future uh, episode? Wow, wow. Live albums. There you go. Hey, there we go. I like it. And, there's there's uh, some must must listens in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know I, what what Hillary may not know is I'm a huge Steely Dan fan as mm-hmm. well. And mm-hmm. so anyway, we'll we'll uh yeah, wasn't I trying to preach Steely Dan to you, Brandon? Or you were kind of yeah. saying, "What's the deal with Steely Dan?" I, w- and I, I was, was trying to. What do you mean? You I, asked what? The, what's the deal with Steely Dan? Well, I'm Steely Dan. They're I'm phenomenal. I'm That's what's the deal. Steely Dan. You know, some of us have never listened to Depeche Mode or Rush. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm that way with Steely Dan. I'm, I'm a big fan. Of and Steely it, Dan. you know, you you listen to it without any background. Just at, at my age, you know, just just hear some stuff. Occasionally, it sounds like dad rock. It comes across as what's wrong with dad rock? Yeah. As, as I, I think, rock. It, I think oh, it's unapologetically true. dad <laughs> yeah, rock. Come on, but it's well, dad rock spiced up with a little it, bit of cocaine. But then I <laughs> hear all and these a lot of jazz critical musicians. praises. Great musicians. Yeah. I hear critical praises of it, and I'm like, 
Oh, yeah. is, is this better than Journey somehow? And I think with them, Much they were they were like the they were the gold standard yeah. of uh, of production for a for a minute as well in what their their final album product was. They were yeah phenomenal. They got obsessed with that stuff. Um, yeah, well, I mean, kind of. I don't know. We don't need to riff on this too much, but it's like on the seventy-one episode when you were talking about like Carol King and others mm-hmm. who, as if you know, folks of our generation, when we heard stuff like that, we were we were either really young or we were right. li- listening back to it older, and it was it was always on kind of like the easy listening station right, or right. our parents' eight tracks, and it, it kind of was easy, I think, for us to put it in a certain box of like, oh, that's. That's kind of crusty or cheesy or easy listening stuff, um, but yeah, there and there's some stuff that belongs in that category. But then there's other stuff that obviously kind of got lumped in, but that yeah. that rises above. And yeah, for me, for me, definitely two, Steely Dan. Two words to tell you why Steely Dan is different <laughs> than Journey: chord progressions. Ah, <laughs> wait. Oh. Are we grouping? Yes. Who grouped Steely Dan in with Journey? Was that a Brandon thing? That was Brandon. Yeah, Brandon just, just uttered pre- that. Previously to actually giving him a chance, they were kind of, just like Steve was saying, it was just on that... Yeah. That uh, Hillary, I'm sorry you had to hear that comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Steely Dan to Journey, but do your best. See, I don't consider okay. Journey dad rock. I consider Journey yeah. wuss rock. Arena. <laughs> Arena rock. Okay. Or, yeah, <laughs> FM. In my album. ignorance, I considered them <laughs> the same. <laughs> but I mean, listen to this. This is well. This yeah, is baby. this is interesting because this isn't Donald Fagan singing. I mean, occasionally yeah. other uh, other folks. Does it need to be Donald Fagan singing? Well, he sings a lot. That's that's, that's kind I, of the uh, <laughs> that's the sound I'm 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 used to. It's fine. Do they have better songs than this one? Don't hey, don't worry. Let's we'll get we'll, to we'll, it. We'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. I was the wrong one to choose the song to I play. Mean, this, as the yeah, example. This yeah, you were. This song's fine, but yeah, you were the wrong person. Yeah. Let's, I mean, you let's throw. Move on. Yeah, I you mean, want, I, you want some Deacon Blues? Is that what Deacon you want? Blues. Deacon, no, oh, I'll tell you what Deacon I want. Blues. I want so Peg. No, play Peg. Oh, Peg. Peg. Peg will change your life. There you go. And you got to turn Peg up loud. This isn't Peg. Yeah. This is Deacon Blues, which is. Is the day of the expanding man. The chorus of you Deacon fire, Blues, you I love it. Oh, yeah. Crank so Peg up off of Asia oh, yeah. and see if it see if it doesn't change your whole world momentarily. But then I'd have Who, to stop it, this one. Is it Tribe that samples? Uh, no, it's, Day, it's De La. Oh, De La, that's yeah. right. On the on the album, Three Feet Iron Rising. Eye. Yeah, yeah. I just was listening to that. That's right. Oh baby, just crank it! So good. <laughs> oh, I'll try that bass lick, Brandon. What? Speaking of musical genealogy, I think this is the precursor to all of the jazz that my dad listened to. <laughs> So Steely Dan was going to be part of the Yacht Rock episode I was preparing They're adjacent to Yacht Rock There's the Blue-Eyed Soul There's Easy Listening There's Yacht Rock There's Adult Contemporary Are we not doing Yacht Rock? We're still going to do it but we're. we're I thought it was today (laughs) I've been telling you I didn't read your email This is what I prepped for (laughs) Love it Good I'm coming out Good I'm (laughs) I'm coming in hot (laughs) 
I got some strong takes about these. Oh gosh, <laughs> let's get going. All right, let's All get right. going because we got to get out of here. Yeah, we got to go. Do we need to read Dwayne Henderson's email though? Did we not do that yet? No. Oh, absolutely. You want to do, do it this. now, or you want to do it at I'm, the end as a as a an encore? Whatever. Let's okay. do it at the end. It we'll was a, it, it was an awesome. Let's email. get into our episode. Let's get into. I want to hear. All right, there's a teaser for you, Dwayne. So I think that something good was Steely Dan. There you got it. That's right. There we go. Brand new band. Go check them out. I think they're going to do big things. Big things in 2022 from Steely Dan. You heard it here first. Okay. Hey, old music is uh, trending more than new music is. So It's killing new music. This, I read about it. This is their time. Yeah. I'm trying to find where I even sent this. Oh, here it is. Okay. So the outline for this episode, it's called Music Genealogy. And here was the instructions. I'll just read you the email that I sent. So round Thank you. one, so boring. Round one, <laughs> each person will. So we're gonna we're instead of going uh, Steve to Jason to me to Brandon, we're gonna do all of Steve's picks or all of Jason's picks or all of my picks in a row, four picks. And the first round, we're gonna choose an artist or a group um, with an accompanying song that was prior to 1965. We're not going to be too strict on that, but something around that yeah, time not. period. Or a little bit after, before, whatever. You know, someone like, someone kind of maybe foundational or maybe obscure. But basically, then we're going to pick a, subsequent songs and artists that have some connection where we could argue that they're a descendant of... Musical offspring. Musical offspring in some way, whether that's musical influence, whether that's... Uh, sensibilities whether that's thematic whatever it is we're going to just kind of portray that um and so we'll have four rounds of that so each person will will do that um share four songs maybe maybe we'll share a couple of songs like shorter snippets if you want to from one of the artists um but that's what we basically we're going to do musical genealogy and it might be that someone's four songs all end up sounding in the same genre and it may be that someone's four songs divert widely we'll see what happens that's basically what we're doing so any thoughts questions before we start off on this different format this kind of experimental version of our so we each present our genealogy when it's our turn and then we just kind of let the discussion ensue Mm-hmm. But we're but there's not four rounds of four each, so that we're each presenting sixteen songs, no. under, or else I'm feeling really underprepared for. No, <laughs> although I'll okay, say good, good. I was making <laughs> yeah, genealogy was, playlists, and no, I have like I was, four, five, six different branches, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to go do this one. No, I want to do this one. No, I want to do this one. It's a little bit tricky, but it's it's a it's been fun fun for me. And I you know as do I was I was doing this, I was thinking of other ways to do this episode, starting with a current song and going backwards could be fun. Or doing it where you're not really worrying about the chronology of time. You're just more like, how did I come to this? Like, this song, where did it spur me? Where did this song take me next? You know, like, I heard this song, and I liked this, and then I found it was a cover from this band, so then I listened to this band, and then that song. That could be a fun episode. Anyway, it was a fun exercise, but let's go ahead and get into it. We haven't decided who's going to go first. Um, I can go first if you guys want me to. Uh, If someone else is dying to go first, we can do that. But I'm willing to, since I outlined and proposed this format i can do that if you'd prefer i'm cool brent with uh, jordan going first to okay. do your thing let's do it all right so my first song that i have here is a song that um written and composed by a writing duo 
uh, Burt Bacharach and Hal David. And Burt Bacharach, I think, is considered, you know, he's the more famous and the more uh, maybe influential. But I've I've really come to love his music quite a bit in the last um, 20 years or so. I think my, I mean, I, I had seen... Uh, I had seen what's the movie called Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, right? Where the music's a lot of the music's Burt Bacharach, Raindrops Falling. Yeah, really cheesy, but worst, also worst scene in the movie. Yes, it's a well. It's yes and no. No, it's not. <laughs> Cut it out. The movie gets better. No, it's very strange. It's kind of jarring. It's out of place. It's jarring. It makes no sense in there. It's delightful. <laughs> Which, exactly. See, which this also fits the movie. Both of these delightful opinions. Worst scene wanna, in the movie is I like say the, are valid. the the fake rape scene. It's like what? take your dress off. What took you so long? That's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bring it back. So, Burt Bacharach. Uh, I really began to love him when I listened to Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach's album called "Painted from Memory" from 1998. But um, the song I'm choosing... So then I started listening back to the Dionne Warwick stuff with him. And this one song caught my attention, and I chose it because it's just fun and I want to play it. It's called Message to Michael by Dionne Warwick and Burt Bacharach. Uh, make sure you play the version that is the Dionne Warwick version rather than like the instrumental. We'll go ahead and listen to a couple minutes of that. Message to Michael, a.k.a. Message to Martha. Yes, that's it. Song, Dionne Warwick. Here we go. Spread your wings for New Orleans, Kentucky bluebird, fly away and take a message to Michael, message to Michael. He sings each night in some cafe in his search to find. Since he was here, Kentucky bluebird fly away and take a message to Michael, message to Michael. Tell him I miss him more each day as his train. You know what I like about this? I have no idea where you're going with it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. I thought I'd, I had different lists, and one of this one was a little more surprising for me, too. So um, something I love about Burt Bacharach, and I found that I love this. In fact, I was talking to our, my colleague over here, Jason Johnson, about this over lunch a few weeks ago. Um, we were talking about Paul Thomas Anderson, the filmmaker. And the thing I love about Paul Thomas Anderson and other filmmakers is when I'm watching his movies, oftentimes I have no idea what's coming next. And then when it happens, it feels just right. And yet, like, it's it's odd, it's different, but it feels like that was supposed to be, but I didn't know it was coming. Whereas a lot of times when I'm watching traditional movies, I I pretty much know what's coming next. There's like a structure. You know like, all the beats. This is going to happen, then this is going to happen. And sometimes that's still Did satisfying. Did you feel that way with Licorice Pizza, though? That it felt right? 
Um, it was it was it less didn't, didn't right, right than Punch Drunk Love. Like it was more loose. I, I liked it. I but, liked it a but lot. But I did, you know, I did love it quite a bit. So anyway, that's what, something I love about Paul Thomas Anderson. And I'd say I feel that way about a lot of Burt Bacharach songs, where it's a it's a pop song, but it's like. Where's this, like, this part and this phrasing? Like, this seems strange. Like, it's not just four bars and then four bars and then this. It's the the way the words land, the way the, like, little instrument breaks come in. It's like, I didn't expect it. And yet it's still kind of poppy and kind of even sometimes cheesy and corny. Um, and so it's pop music with a unexpected, sometimes even, I anticipate it or, or perceive it as awkwardness or even dorkiness like in the movie um butch cassidy and the sundance kid there's kind of it's kind of cheesy and awkward and yet i i love it so where we're going here is another my next pick another song and musical universe which has pop elements and yet something's off it's not off in the awky awkward well, dorky what was off cheesy. in this song though um to me, I, mean, I don't have the technical. I can't like Steve say. Well, the form was this or this or this. Uh, Just make words up. <laughs> but well, yeah, it, it is. It is something about the, the form and the phrasing and um, melisma. I don't know, Steve. Are you hearing Melanoma? something in in the form of message to Michael where it feels? I mean, do you uh, and Burt Backrack overall? Is there a sense I, of I like think... his music is odd? It's pop, but it's odd. It's different. Yeah, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know how different it is from maybe other things of its time, or but but yeah, it's definitely kind of coming out of like the uh, American Songbook crafting a song, a kind of com- where where it is not just the lyrics, but the chord progression and the melody, and and there's a kind of complexity to it, and 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 like you're saying, maybe these twists and turns where. The, the chord you, you would normally think of going to if you're just riffing on a guitar progression or whatever isn't what you know you end up you end up inserting a strange chord or an a modulation or something like that um, it's it's kind of it's kind of exists somewhere in between pop music and like classical music in a way that's different than you know a bunch of guys just in a garage jamming and putting, right. putting songs together or something so yeah and there's there's some of i think steve said it well there's some other burt backrack songs that have a little bit more of that like oh this is a totally unexpected chorus and it's not this is the thing like going back to like, like that song god give me strength a, a newer yes, one but like when Elvis you get to Costello. the chorus of that that chord he lands on for yeah. that, that line god give me strength isn't quite what i'm You're expecting like, you know right anyway but anyway, blah 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 and going back to the paul thomas anderson analogy there's movies where unexpected stuff happens but it feels like shock factor or we're just going to do this because it's weird and that's what i like again about Paul Thomas Anderson and about Burt Backrack. It's not shocking to be shocking. It's not just like this is so crazy. It still captures a kind of accessibility that I appreciate while twisting something where I'm like, this is unique. And I I hear that running throughout Burt Backrack stuff. So now we go to. I know what your step two is now. Do you? Yeah. I don't think you do. You want I think me to, I'm surprised you. Want me to you. play it? I know. I know. The you song. don't know. I know. I know the song even. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. go, I, I think you do. Go ahead, Brandon. Play. Here we go. <laughs> well, it is a good Paul Thomas Anderson tie. Yeah. Oh. 
Is this where you were growing, Jordan? No. No? Oh. <laughs> but, well, it's okay. <laughs> I don't even know this song right now. It takes too long to get this to was it, a, I guess. This was a pivotal scene in Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Which one is this? Oh, this They're is... They're laying oh. down on the waterbed. Yeah, uh, yeah. This was a great scene. Yeah, that's right. All right, go ahead and finish the genealogy, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon's hijacking my family tree here. All right, so we're going we're gonna to continue it seems, it on. It seems to tie in. This is a pop song that, again, takes a, a turn from pop, and an artist and a collection of artists that have this, they want to they, they wanna do something that's kind of poppy and accessible, but they, they have their own weirdness that comes into it. It's a song from Twin Peaks. The, the TV series from 1990 by Angelo Badalamenti. He worked very closely with David Lynch on this. I think they were in the room. There's a great video of Angelo Badalamenti uh, talking about how he came up with this theme and also Laura Palmer's theme. I want to play just a bit of the Twin Peaks theme and a bit of the Laura Palmer's theme. And if you don't mind, okay. Laura, Laura Palmer. Palmer's theme, yeah, play about a minute and a half of that. Does it every time. <laughs> okay. I like what you did there, George, because the obvious choice for the next step would have been Paul McCartney. But in... <laughs> in uh, oh, uh, Genealogy is yeah, not always well, obvious, right? Well, no. In, a, in accordance with what you're saying about Bird Brock Rock and doing the unexpected... You went with the unexpected. I did. I did. <laughs> and and it plays into the, the all four picks. I mean, you got to make these connections. That's true. This is why it was hard. Um, the, but the other thing I liked about that is the... Uh, I love that reverby guitar that's kind of t- twangy, and that, that plays in that era of those Burt Bacharach, Dionne Warwick songs. Um, so Twin Peaks was this you know this strange like soap opera melodrama both those songs have kind of a melodramatic feel to them or both those uh um there again there's a great youtube clip of battlemente and david lynch well it's just battlemente talking about how he was in the room with david lynch and coming up with laura palmer's theme and david lynch was like play it more like this and then maybe that's oh yeah that's it and then Oh, yes, that's it. That's wonderful. And more like this. And he's like going, going, and he's like, this is it. And like 
stream, tears streaming down David Lynch's faces as he's like going through these chord progressions. He, he didn't pretty, cry when his son was born, but but when Laura Palmer's yeah. theme was was born into the world, he cried. Yeah, so he, he made Eraserhead when his son. I was going to say <laughs> he made Eraserhead instead. He made oh, the most a great, a great work of art ever to yeah. watch. <laughs> so this series, as you may or may not recall, was took place in the Northwest, which is where I grew up, and I think Jason spent a couple years there. Um, just the the location was a was a made up place twin peaks it does not exist as a real place but the northwest washington exists just you know south of canadian border when this came out it really influenced this an artist who uh, at the time was uh, our age born in 78 i think you're a 77 guy right my age um living in anacortes washington his name is phil elvram i've mount played some of his music eerie. mount eerie and he was very influenced by uh, the music and the sensibilities around Twin Peaks. And he was also very influenced by the place, just like Twin Peaks was very inspired as this mysterious place, that kind of a, a playground for these artists to kind of explore strange, dreamlike aspects of humanity. So um, Mount Erie, formerly known as Microphones, now as Mount Erie, um, has had some albums that he's put out where it mostly it's kind of singer songwriter indie folk indie rock experimental at some degree somewhat lo-fi but very analog very kind of natural singing about the elements the stones the rocks the wind uh these kinds of things and often kind of dreamlike existential he did uh he had some more specific um influenced by david lynch in his 2011 album called wind speaks and then in 2012 he had an album called clear moon he later did an album the next year called pre-human ideas um it's an ep and he covered a lot of his own songs but he did them very differently than usual he did them with electronic instead of analog he did them with computers with drum machines with auto-tune on his voice um his voice is not like a great voice it's just his authentic kind of weird voice but he did this auto-tune version and the title pre-human ideas is very much a kind of ironic or non-ironic counter to the idea of post-human ideas or transhuman ideas and which makes sense because phil elvram's music is very much about reclaiming some kind of raw or wild essence of of life and and nature so he does this album where he sings his normal songs but he does them in this very electronic way it's called pre-human ideas um, but I want you to play, there was a, he did a couple tunes from that album and released them alternately. Um, one of them is called The Place I Live, and I want you to play the Alphabet Series O version of The Place I Live, and see if you can hear the connection to... You had it locked and loaded, didn't you, Brandon? To so David not Lynch. the one from Pre-Human Ideas. No, that was I'm important. I'm glad we heard all about that album, though. It's, it's important, Brandon. You'll, you'll see why. Okay. <laughs> You'll see why. You'll see why. The <laughs> place I live. <laughs> the place I live. Alphabet Series O. Oh, 
instruments on there sound straight out of Badalamenti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you've got the those synthesizers, the and just it's all electronic. And he was, um, I've read some interviews. He was just like, I did something totally different than usual. I did everything electronic, and so he decided to, you know, his mind was going in this. Well, this is so different than what I usually do, and 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 the whole post humanity idea that everyone was starting to talk about. And yet his stuff is all about kind of some ancient, primordial, natural thing. Um, so where this goes is another twist. I guess the theme has been somewhat like unexpected evolutions, unexpected connections, that going more in the actual post-human direction. There's an artist that I heard, I think I saw like a Pitchfork review and like the album cover was so jarring to me. I was like, what is this? So I started looking at it. I haven't listened a ton to it, but... This would definitely ca- categorize as one of the artists that scares me currently. And I haven't had an artist scare me uh, recently very much. But this artist seems to be very... Not since Marilyn Manson did, right? Uh, I wasn't really you aware were so of scared. Mar- Marilyn you Manson. You were so much. scared of Marilyn Manson, I remember. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was. But this artist <laughs> he wasn't. Uh, did five albums in the last two years. So I think the pandemic maybe oh, wow. and the whole whatever, you know, and there when you listen to them, I haven't listened to all of them. It's it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse stylistically, but you can tell this is a I, I'm not going to throw use the word genius. You know, I don't I haven't gone that far, but this is a very prolific and competent artist who's doing some stuff that's like I think is going to be big and already probably is. But their name is Arca, A-R-C-A. Uh, it's a transgender artist, and the song comes from their album Kick One. They did Kick One in 2020, and then 2021 they did Kick Two, Kick Three, Kick Four, Kick Five. And the kick is the kick of something in the womb that's about ready to be born. So again, this evolutionary concept, but this is a person who, if you look at their album cover for Kick One and all of those, it's a, it's kind of a transhumanist nightmare. Um, but this song this is a transgender person they go by the pronouns she her and it it's interestingly um a provocateur type the song is non-binary who do you think i am it's not who do you think you're dealing with no because you're not dealing with there's no deal it's just real on my side go ahead speak for yourself go ahead speak for yourself Cast the first stone if you want to be a puppet. Better yet, speak for yourself, states. 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 You'll forget. States. Wow. wow, that was an interesting turn at the end there. Yeah. Oh, dang. Wow! Very That's interesting very... music. It's a it's a Venezuelan artist. Um, lived in Connecticut for a time. Now lives in Spain, but from Venezuela. So a lot of their songs are in Spanish. Is it um, a, a collective or an individual? It's an individual. Um, and if you look at the album covers, you'll be, that's where like, whoa, this is, that's scary. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, almost like a horror, horror, uh, horror transhuman horror. Horror Boba Fett. Yeah, something like that. Um, Looks like she has a giant syringe for an arm. Yeah. And, you know, one. so one of the things that kind of 
as I was picking which of the streams to go with, I picked kind of the evolution stream and how, um, you know, in Phil Elvram's work, he's very much talking a lot about the impermanence of everything and just everything, you know, passing away. And, and the, another side of that, or a part of that is the evolution, just everything is always change. And so this song I thought encapsulated that, the changing nature of things, whether we're ready for it, scared of it, like it or not consider it good, bad, like change is inevitable. And, and, to me that song listening right now to all four of those that was the one that was the most interesting to me right now um and not the safest <laughs> and so those are my four picks so love to hear thoughts and and i don't know if we're if we need to do more discussion on each song instead of talking about all four afterwards but but yeah i like it it was fascinating i'm not sure i buy the burt Brackrack starting point yeah like he he seems definitely more on the pop side than anything else. Yes, I agree with that. Well, um, but would there be a a more uh, more appropriate starting point? I don't know. I could have started somewhere else for I. Part of it was what I wanted to play. Like I've wanted to get Bert, I've wanted to get Burt Backrack in here. I've wanted to get Burt Backrack and Elvis yep. Costello in here. My genealogy is going to be the same in a minute. Yeah. It's like there's a few tracks. Same okay, songs. I'm going to yeah. It's I exact. want this to get in here. Yeah. No, not the same. But yeah, but but also yeah, just that the whole notion of genealogy. Yeah, there there are these different th- different ways to think about it, and um, one is just kind of like tracing a thread, right? Or right. connecting dots, it seems to me. And that can be very personal. Right, also, right. my my tree, it's like, you know, if you have your if you have your uh, family, wh- whatever the name of the app is, Family Search. No, what's the app that we have or you yeah, can, yeah. where you can look up your Ancestry, family tree? Your, your family ancestors, yeah, and or anything, whatever. If you look at a pedigree chart, I mean, yeah, there's the... There's the parent to child thread, but then you just see everything out there. You know, it's like, oh, there's there. That's a sibling or whatever. So I feel like I I wanted to take a little leeway that way. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think I appreciate that. I, I'm getting to a point which is I don't know if it's much of a point, but it is that I think I I, I buy the the thread and maybe that there's. It, You're buying the back rack of it all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah at least, uh, yeah, when you put the Arca next to the back rack, it's like, whoa, how did we right, get here? Right, right. But I, I think every step along the way, there are those connections, you know? And that's yeah. how that's how genealogy works sometimes. I was trying I guess, to make you know? the, the back rack to Twin Peaks um, uh, connection stronger, and, it, and I could <laughs> I looked up even David Lynch and I googled David Lynch and Burt Bacharach, and Bad- I found Bad- some f- influenced by Bacharach. I found Dang a it, forum nothing. where someone was like, "Is that Burt Bacharach playing the piano in this scene in Twin Peaks?" And the answer was no. Uh, but well, that's but a good you sound found it. Jordan. You found that means it. you are doing original research. I was, yeah. but I see. If I still Google doesn't have it already. It's it's not. It's the the point in the, my genealogy that's not the strongest, and yet I think there's the the melodrama there's a pop sensibility that's off and maybe it doesn't come as much as up in, in up as much in message to michael but if you know burt backrack's other work you'll know it's like it's pop but it's kind Who was of was the michael by the way the michael jackson michael benson oh even better no it, uh, <laughs> one of my originally three, one of my three favorite well, michaels by far <laughs> originally it was message to martha and it was recorded first in 1962 by someone message to martha and then Kentucky Bluebird, which is, a line. but then uh, Dionne Warwick wanted to do it, and 
And Burt Bacharach didn't want her to. He said, no, this is a song for Amanda to sing about a woman. And she did it, and it was a huge hit, and it hadn't been a hit before. And <laughs> in my research, side note, I found out of other few things. I found out. She's that Bert, like, listen, Bacharach, you'll get some royalties. Don't worry. Yeah. Burt Bacharach's not as great as a human being as Phil Elverham. He's not as likable, but he's a great <laughs> songwriter. And I found out that Angelo Badalamenti and David Lynch did some other records together, even some like experimental stuff that... I'm going to want to check out too. So that's my, my genealogy round. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about the, uh, the Arca? That's oh, oh, I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I was very compelled and interested. I'd seen uh, something sounding slightly familiar, which I don't know if you texted me or all of us at some point about Arca or maybe not, but some, somehow that, that, name sounded familiar but i haven't listened to the music and boy yeah really dark and interesting and compelling especially just rhythmically i would throw nine inch nails in that yeah yeah yeah. i thought about nine inch nails when listening to arca yeah for sure and nine inch nails right with they were on uh i mean you think of trent reznor was on the the return he did one of the musical performance on the twin peaks the return I can see that. So uh-huh. that's def- that would have been actually yep. a stronger connection. Like the the weird Elver. percussive elements, like you see that yeah. in Nine Inch Nails a lot, like piggies. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's yeah, yeah. Trent Reznor is like obsessed about you know sampling percussion and getting the right percussion sound, and I know spends a lot of time with that. And that's what I heard in that Arca. It's like you know, like a uh, you know metal mixing bowl, or mm-hmm. I, I could imagine lots of found objects being sampled and yeah, recorded to, to make just that, right. that strange the dark production, beat. the polyrhythmic, yeah. the interesting rhythm thing. Yeah, so many interesting pauses Her, like, and just flow of the kind of delivery of the lyrics were was really really good. Really, like you could tell this is like a. Yeah talented artist doing this stuff and the other stuff that's less kind of rappy it's more um in a lot of a lot of it in spanish but but yeah so who's up next before we get to that here my personal challenge what i'm going to do for each of you is find the Beatles song that is the actual origination of <laughs> of your genealogy. Of our, yeah. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it was for yours, all it's, gonna it's tomorrow never knows come back to the beat. Nice. <laughs> yeah. okay that's, yep. that's where it all started. I reject, I forget I'm, rejecting, rock. I'm rejecting that assignment. It started with tomorrow never knows. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I have, just so you know, if we end and we have time, I have a little cooperative uh, experiment, experiment we could try together. If we have time. If we don't, then then we'll end when it Join ends. Join hands. Okay. okay. I'll, I'll go next. I'll get this over with, and you can... We're going clockwise. You can, it's uh, established we're going clockwise. You can yeah. have fun with me and then be done with it. Um, Jason has his Yacht Rock picks lined It's all up. Beatles. He's ready. It's all Beatles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beatles, then it's a Paul song, then it's a George song. You, you already... Well, no. I'm going in the Holy Roman Empire tradition where, like, it is... You know, they were... This is the rock of gods my among, Gods among men. So, mm-hmm. Beatles, followed by Wings... Okay. Followed by Paul McCartney solo. Followed, followed by, by he must have a son that's doing something, <laughs> yeah. right? He's, well, that's I think that's Julian. George, George it's Julian McCartney. Julian McCartney, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's let's start things out with the Beach Boys and see where it goes from there. Oh, cool. Um, so Beach Boys. 
uh, early albums are pretty much straight up pop surf rock. They they fit this particular niche, and all the songs sound fairly similar, like the the guitar sound, the voices. Um, but then they they've got enough talent that they gradually start expanding and getting into some some fairly sophisticated stuff. So let's uh, let's go with. Arguably the Beach Boys' best song. One of them. They got a ton of great ones, but let's let's go with Good Vibrations. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair I hear the sound of a gentle On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air Up good vibrations, she's giving me the excitations. I'm backing up good vibrations, she's giving me the excitations. Uh, okay, qualities of the Beach Boys. You got uh, overall optimistic throughout their career, but occasionally on the melancholy side. You got uh, <laughs> you got um, I don't know. Lyrically, it's kind of like you know, fair, fairly obvious. Lyrically, they don't they're not hiding hiding stuff in the lyrics, um, but sometimes about everyday types type stuff so yeah then i was thinking who who comes after the beach boys and there's there's so what is going on jord you playing on your phone no that was <laughs> jason <laughs> <laughs> henry tuttle's gonna have his work cut out for him <laughs> now that he's in the mission office he's got plenty of time to to edit our podcast thanks, thanks for this henry um Let's see. 70s. The 70s iteration of the Beach Boys. Uh, I'm going with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm. They're, they're heavily heavily pop. Tons of, tons of pop hits. But also really sophisticated instrumentation. And... Good vibrations. Good vibrations. Um, they, uh, they put on a great show. They got the family aspect of the band, too. Like, I think there was three brothers in it at one time. Um, lots of harmonies, different kinds of vocals. So let's uh, let's see what you think if Serpentine Fire fits in with as a descendant of the Beach Boys.
Those horn licks are fast. I know, I know. Yeah, I was like, I was practicing my double tonguing in my head. <laughs> That's an interesting connection. I hadn't, you know, thought of that, but I can see the, uh, the like, the like if you're looking at who's doing the like. Kind of happy, positive pop music. You know, that's. I think that's. Uh, yeah, I'm that trying to. I'm trying to see what me. the the overlap points are in the Venn diagram in my head. It's definitely positive. It's upbeat. Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire is more punchy. Like if you're going with the funk mm-hmm. formula of the one, like they're committed to the yeah. one in that. Whereas yeah, the, the, the good vibrations is is not as as punchy on the one, but right. And uh, I mean, I could have put chosen more. Analogous example, like of of which song? I, I don't think Earth, Wind, and Fire had a theremin. <laughs> and I was kind of hoping you were going to go with the theremin thread. <laughs> I was like, pop songs with theremin. The okay. Good, the good news is, the good news is, it's still open for you. Steve. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I might start the with good vibrations. I might start with good vibrations and trace another line of the genealogy. No, anyway, sorry. Yeah. I mean, the the sound of it is is very different, but I think the. With each band, respectively, they they popularized the sound of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, especially the the earlier Beach Boy stuff is very much of the the early '60s. Like, they made really solid pop songs that sounded early '60s. Right. And whereas Earth, Wind, and Fire took that, you know, mid to late '70s stuff. They they started earlier than that, but you think of these these later '70s hits, and it sounds very much of that time, but at the same time, very. Very intelligently crafted, yeah, so. and more poppy than like P Funk or Funkadelic or mm-hmm. or even Sly and the Family Stone. Probably more more pop. And I, I can see that. I don't know enough about Earth, Wind, and Fire's uh, deep tracks to know if they've also got the uh, the mournful, maybe not mournful, but the introspective stuff like Beach Boys's "I Wasn't Made for These Times." But then again, nobody knows that song by the Beach Boys either, unless they own that that whole album. It's not there. That kind of thing isn't what what made the the singles. So, no, it's great. Earth, Wind, and Fire. They do have some tracks like that. They're they're probably similar, like to the Isley Brothers, in that you have your like your real poppy, punchy hits that that a lot of people know, and then they have some long, like deep album cuts that are uh, that are more introspective, more uh, maybe a little more wistful. That uh, that are really good too. They're, but they were incredible musicians. They're I would say you would have as much fun digging through their deep cuts as you would digging through the deep cuts of the Beach Boys. Okay, then the next the next step in this genealogy. Third generation. Uh, here, instead of going direct lineage, I think this this might be siblings bran- branching mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll see what you think. Siblings of the Beach Boys or Earth, Wind, and Fire? Well, kind of kind of both, kind of both. Uh oh, wrong list. Here we go. I'm going with the Flaming Lips. Hmm. More, more similar with them. More similarities with the Beach Boys than Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, also, they don't have as many, or maybe none, huge hits. But I think that's society's fault, not the Flaming Lips' fault. <laughs> just, just wrong. They, they didn't tap into the. The grunge stuff <laughs> that was that was popular. Thank goodness. Um, so let's let's try. Mm, maybe the, maybe this is the wrong song to correspond with the examples I played. I don't know. This is what I put on here. Play what you, yeah. Feeling yourself disintegrate from the flaming lips. Hmm. 
suddenly had second thoughts about that particular song it's not it's not one of their poppy songs they've got much more much more poppy songs but, but so. weirdly i felt like musically that connected better to the beach boys yeah. than the earth wind and fire one did and i hadn't yeah. thought about it before but wayne and uh i think i think wayne and brian wilson are that definitely falsetto. kindred spirits yeah. like from a from a, a music and art standpoint like i can i can absolutely see that connection yeah they, Wayne doesn't have as great a voice. He's got more of a Neil Young kind of voice. Like it's his, and it sounds great in that context. But you know, they, they he, don't have. He like, does, but he does have a commitment. It feels like to try and to like. And I think Neil Young is a great comparison there. Brian Wilson had a better instrument, but I think they were like equally committed to trying to to use their their voice as an instrument to bring some level of beauty, like it. it right. Congruently with whatever thing they're doing with the the music, mm-hmm. like in, in a really sincere, really earnest way. Yeah. So the major similarity with them and, and Beach Boys, and probably uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Overall, they wear, they wear their heart on their sleeve. Um, in their and with their overall optimism, like Flaming Lips, they were kind of bucking the trend of of the time where most of the music was more "What was me" kind of stuff. Where, like, I remember seeing them... Say the song title again. 
This is called feeling yourself disintegrate. Yeah, which Beautiful. is a psychedelic reference, which is a, a tie-in to Earth, Wind, and Fire because they were kind of a psychedelic. But but he's soul. talking about um, you know how love, just having love in your life, is the best thing and so important. But mm-hmm. also, I this song stood out to me in their their live show. We we went and saw them this summer, and just the whole show was so amazing to me. The uh, the overall positive vibes, mm-hmm. not just the music, but what, what Wayne was doing with the crowd and, you know, in the midst of COVID and he's trying to boost us up and saying how, even through all these struggles, we can, uh, when we've got each other, we can overcome, overcome the stuff. And this was one of their, one of their last songs. And he talked about this kind of stuff about, you don't, you can't shy away from, from the hard things, but good vibrations. Yeah. yeah. Good vibrations. Um, and they all all the bands like to experiment in the studio, you know, Flaming Lips. Are you talking with music pretty... or with drugs? <laughs> Both, right? That's the that is a connection, the psychedelic connection. Yeah. Um, it's there. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. I didn't know. Probably both. What was their latest song, Mom? I'm tripping on acid. <laughs> like that was on their new album. It was a really cool song. I think that was a metaphor, though. It wasn't yeah. literal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really good song from their newer album, and they played it at that show up in Ogden. Um, okay. All right. Good. Flaming licks, slips, straight edge. Next up, uh, flaking licks. <laughs> That's one of my favorite bands. Anyway. Let's, uh, Fourth generation. Yeah. Let's see what the the Fleet Foxes can can mm-hmm. add to this. Oh. Um, this is from their, is it their latest album? This is from Shore 2020. Um, and uh, overall the album is much more experimental than some of their earlier ones, but they're, they're very known for their like three, four part harmonies and, you know, pretty complex in the, the way the harmonies work. Uh, Overall, also have the the optimistic vibe going. So this is "Can I Believe You" from Flaming Lips, not Flaming Fleet Foxes. Sorry. <laughs> is the funkiest bass line that Fleet Foxes yeah, ever used. Yeah, I was going to say, rhythmically, this is... I like it. So as soon as you said Fleet Foxes, I thought, oh, I, uh, <clears throat> obvious Beach Boys connection. I think uh, musically of your four, Earth, Wind & Fire feels the most musically out of place, but I'm glad it's there because I think, as you mentioned, there is this 
this uh, this earnestness and sincerity to uh, to kind of the positive side that certainly certainly belongs. Yeah, and the the other ones that I picked after aren't as much dance music as right. Earth, Wind, and Fire. But hey, let's have let's have a little a fifth one here that brings it brings it all back together. If it's right? a Beatles song, I'm gonna be so pissed. What? <laughs> So this is uh, an evening with Silk Sonic. Yeah, yeah. I think this brings it back to the Earth, Wind, and Fire. There you go. And, and some of the and some of the Beach Boys stuff. This this album I think is so fantastic. Have you heard this one, Jason? No. Oh man, I haven't gone you through the it? whole album start to what? finish. I haven't heard it. This one's so good, featuring Bootsy Collins and Thundercat. Oh wow! And Thundercat. Oh my goodness! That's a, that's a lot of bass. Listen to Bootsy here. I don't know what you did when you did what you did. <laughs> but you did it, girl. Yeah. See, normally I don't stutter, but you did, 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 did do it to me. Pushing on shoots and stars, saying prayer for me. I hope it comes true. Oh, 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 oh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what I want to see a video for. song I've heard from this album, I felt like this is perfectly, this is like perfect pop. And I think maybe that's what you hate, Jason, because you haven't let yourself embrace that pop sometimes, just perfect pop. No, you, yeah, you gotta listen like, to the whole No, I don't want to feel good. Let me feel lousy. You gotta listen to the whole album. That's awesome. It's, awesome. I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it. <laughs> he heard Thundercat okay. and Bootsy and he was like, okay. There's a little more Twist credibility there. <laughs> See, and if it was just Anderson Pack without Bruno Mars, would you be more? Yeah, I think so. Although I don't like, I don't, I don't love love Anderson Pack. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy Anderson Pack, but he's a little more poppy than my yeah. uh, my typical right sentiments. If he was obscure, but doing the exact same stuff. Let's see, this is the problem. And we've already established it. This is why somebody gave me socks to say music snob on them. I, Someone, one of our listeners, maybe. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite listeners. Yeah. All right. So, so that, those are my picks. All right. Well done, Brandon. All right. Does it go to me? Clockwise? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, here's my first pick. Have any of you guys heard of Jack Teagarden? Was no. he trombone? He is. Yeah, yeah. he's a <laughs> he's a trombonist Sorry. and a great guest, Jordan. One of the <laughs> one of the him. best of kind him. of pre bebop trombonists, and in the twenties and thirties. But oh, wow. uh, and and you know played with the a lot of the big bands. Played with uh, Louis Armstrong, Hot Five for a while or something like that in the fifties, I think. But um, so the the track I want to pick, and then I'm interested to see if you guys will obviously know where I'm heading with all this or not. Uh, so the track I want to pick is Misery and the Blues, though, from a 1961 album on 
on Verve's. This is just a few years before he dies, so this is this is near the end of his career. But he was a singer and a trombonist, and this track will feature him playing right at the beginning and then launching into the to the song. morning, misery in the evening, I'm the This from the 20s? No, this is not. He played in the in the 20s and 30s, oh. etc. But this I was, is. I was shocked at how clean the recording no, was. No, this is 61. Since yeah. Blues in the morning. Misery in the evening. This is more my style. (laughs) (laughs) Almost out of money. Yes, you think it's funny. Even though you know I'm still in love with you. Baby. When. Um, Yeah. you get you get the sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is he also singing? Yeah, that's yeah. him singing. That's He's him got singing. A great voice. Can it, can Love any it. of you think of a rock band that you know kind of immersed himself in some of this traditional that jazz? Played, played music that sounded like it was from and the twenties. Maybe 20s? even did covers from songs like this. Interesting. So you want us to think of a rock band that did covers? <laughs> and immerse Have themselves you ever in heard jazz. of a rock band that did a cover? Hmm. I'm thinking Rolling Stones. Yeah, blues and misery, um, <laughs> and yeah. covers. Or could it, it be that I'm trying to connect? I mean, Zeppelin did uh, did blues, misery, and, and with covers our, with our fan. Hillary oh. from Chicago. Steely Danny, whatever. Nice. I thought Hillary uh, was no. from New York. She is. She is. She's, she's New York, New Make Jersey, mind, but she Rich. lives in Chicago right now. So you know, ah. you know, East St. Louis, Toodaloo, all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. But but apparently, this song, Donald Fagan was covering this song live a lot in kind of some of his more recent concerts or in the in the. 2010s or something like that but the, this is the kind of music that i think him and uh walter becker or were were really immersed in and listening to among their influences when they started their band so i'm gonna go from here to steely dan but by, the, wanna, by the way becker died last year right uh, was that was so. it becker yeah kind, last of, a, year, kind of a sad before, deal yeah yeah, yeah. um i want to pick Babylon Sisters, the lead track from the album Gaucho, 1980, and yeah, then we'll, let's let's hear that as much of that as you'll you'll allow. Drive. 
forgotten fagan's voice started to sound a little more aged by a gaucho yeah yeah you know there are two bass clarinetists listed for this track no Is that, way that that's awesome? wild <laughs> hear that that low reedy um yeah but it says the band used at least 42 different musicians on this album yeah including two bass clarinets pretty as, yeah, as yeah. we're listening to it, I'm realizing this is Steely Dan is a is a better example of what I was talking about in terms of like kind of a pop sensibility, but it's like where is it going, right? Kind of like a lot of jazz tunes that aren't just straightforward, where you're, you're it's kind of more composed and and uh, unpredictable. Yeah, like maybe you, you it's that balance of you know chord progressions making sense or mm-hmm. or creating expectation like oh and, and fulfilling it like okay this chord leads to this chord leads to that chord i feel i know where this is going but then right, right at the moment then when you think you, you know the next step yeah. you, you take a left turn or you substitute a different chord right. there like whoa that gives you that surprise factor i don't know yeah that's a that's a steely dan thing you listen to their stuff it does not sound like traditional like like journey or whatever you know the kind of just rock music it's yeah, something else. So now, I don't know that I'm 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 making a connection there between that Tea Garden song and them. This song, it's jazz, isn't right? necessarily just the jazz, the jazz as clear connection. connection, but it's it's kind of like yeah, it it is very jazz influenced and that that harmonic complexity. But also, yeah, I were think, you saying Fagan covers that song too? That, Fag- that that first song we heard, yeah, Fagan, yeah. I guess was has done that a lot live. I don't, you know, I don't think it's on any Steely Dan or Fagan album, but he he covers it, has covered it live. Okay, a that's, lot. That's and enough of a connection. There, yeah, um, I, I apologize if this is a hot take, but as a as a Steely Dan noob, it seems to me the vocals are the weak point. Do you guys feel that way? Like anytime the song, the singing starts, I, I think you got to give it some time. I have to laugh. You got to listen to an album or two, because the vocals to me aren't. I wouldn't say they're the weak point because, but if I hadn't ever listened to them, it's definitely yeah. So I, I think Steely, the, the Steely Dan of it all becomes like this whole aesthetic of like real mischievousness and snark. And sarcasm and intelligence that's like packaged in this jazz dad rock thing. Uh, for me, the vocals are perfect within the aesthetic. Like, I wouldn't, it would feel strange with somebody else doing it. And I, you know, it may not be like, you may not think Fagan's voice is like the most pure, most beautiful voice, but it captures that 
like all those ingredients that go into it. I mean, they have like very overt drug references in the middle of, you know, beautiful songs. And it, it, it just kind of creates the whole, I guess, aesthetic of it all. And I don't know, somehow Fagan's voice for me. Yeah, it works for me. It's uh, does it? It's distinct. It's different. There's something a little off about it. But I, so I think if you're just hearing from it, not listening. Like what is it? Is it black cow where he says, uh, he, he, it says in the corner you were very high it, it, it's like it just works it's there's there's this con there's this constant element of some like even in that one there was some lyrics in there that made me like look over at jordan and go wait a minute yeah or, is this okay right. <laughs> and that's what they do when i mean even like their love songs like if you listen to the love songs on uh katie lied i you, don't you pause and you go <laughs> is this is this okay and it, it's kind of the that's that's how it works. But then, meanwhile, it's all done all, with this backdrop of like flawless production and, and musicality behind it, it, which makes you, I think, you know, back to what Jordan said, it's kind of the unpredictability of it. Where's this going? Is this okay? Is it okay if I like this? Is it what I think it is? Mm. Yeah, um, sure. I yeah. buy that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Fagan's voice, and I think it's 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 like interconnected. It's inseparable from the lyrics, which uh, yeah, I, I'm real. I love you know, so just kind of quirky and clever and interesting, and so yeah, I'm I'm down with it. And so my next two picks are offspring in their own way of Steely Dan. Is it the offspring? Yeah. And the first pick is the offspring. That's right. No. <laughs> no! <laughs> Come out and play. 90s <laughs> uh, Because while Brandon's case is that the Beatles started everything, mine is that Steely Dan did every, started everything. So <laughs> everything can be traced to the, the Dan. No. Um this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I, I think there are some definite connections. So we never really heard it much, although it was in the mix. And I think there's maybe more of a solo that we get to later in that tune, Babylon Sisters. But the trumpet player on that that track is Randy Brecker, hmm. which you guys probably heard, you know, have heard of. Oh, yeah, and his course. brother Michael Brecker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know who Brecker doesn't brothers. know the Brecker brothers? Yeah. The Brecker brothers. <laughs> do you guys not know the Brecker brothers? <laughs> I have a, I do not. If I had a nickel for every time Brandon and I have texted <laughs> individually about the Brecker brothers, <laughs> Jordan, I kind of knew like, like we you, you and I would know. I we, Jason would know the Brecker brothers. We, Brandon and I renamed our personal text <laughs> between us Brecker brothers with a heart after it. Heart emoji Brecker brothers. <laughs> Because it ended up, it, realistically, it's all we talk about. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> well, they're... <laughs> Where are you, you going know, with this, Steve? The, 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 Bre- the Brecker <laughs> Brothers... The, the Brecker Brothers, Randy and, and Michael, were, you know, just some of the hottest uh, studio players. And they played on a ton of stuff. And... I don't know that Michael Michael ended up on any Steely Dan stuff, but he did play on on some of Fagan's uh, Nightfly uh, tracks. Uh, and in any case, they you know they kind of had their own version of fusion jazz, and the Brecker Brothers they put out their own albums. I remember one of those fun tunes in the Real Book, the first Real Book I got. And Jordan, did you did you get the Real Book? 
Did you ever get the real book, the one that was like technically not legal to sell, but you kind of had to know a guy? No, and they're like, I oh, remember, yeah, the guy with the real book is going to be in town. I never town. had one. <laughs> I never had one, but I remember people the guy with that the had real it. Book. I remember like, people yeah. talking about the people who had it. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, a guy in a trench coat, and he's a, he opens no, up I'm a trench serious, coat, yeah. and there's no, a, the a real book. Thing. There's a whole it's thing hanging in, from the inside of it. Can I get my royalty for your jazz? You interested in one of these kids? Jazz scores? Yeah, I mean, it's a real phenomenon. It was a real thing that, but before you know, a lot of the the jazz tunes or standards or whatever were were kind of published in a more accessible way, pre-internet, etc. There was a, an effort by by a, a group of people to put together what they called the real book, you know, and it was kind of like the quintessential uh, book all of the tunes. I weirdly actually am familiar with the weird yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fun mean, idea. I, I'm not, and and there's a there's actually there's a whole book about the 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 making of the real book and copyright issues and the, all these questions. But it was one of these things. I remember when I was in high school getting one and or wanting one, and it was described to me as like, well, it's not illegal to buy it or own it, but it is illegal to sell it. You know, it was this kind of interesting thing where it's like you. You kind of, it was kind of underground to know a guy, oh yeah, you can get it from this guy, but it was just kind of word of mouth, or maybe it would show up in a store or whatever. So you could placate yourself. I want to see the sting operation. You, you, you um, can placate yourself knowing that we confiscated if you're $10 million catch, worth of real books. To catch a real book. <laughs> I'm going way off on a tangent here, but there was one. There was a Brecker Brothers tune in there called "Some got Skunk Funk." Going under the border, Skunk Funk. Some skunk, yeah, some skunk some funk from skunk one of their funk. albums. And I always remember this is one of those tunes. It's like, wow, what a, what a funky name and interesting tune. But anyway, so nineteen ninety seven. Steve here. <laughs> and of course, we get from there to uh, Warm Leatherette. The Brecker Brothers played backing on Warm Leatherette. It's really subdued in the mix. You can't. You can't hear it. No. Uh, 1987, Michael Brecker, first solo album, right? He's, play, he's, he's played forever. He's pro- At that point, he's kind of like, he's the kind of heir to, to Wait, you know, Coltrane and Wayne so yeah, Shorter. What's uh, Bobby Brecker doing generation? during all this? Huh? What's Bobby Brecker doing, uh, doing during all this? So, he's Brian selling Bond, real Bromberg. books. He's illegally selling real books. <laughs> yeah, he was... Does He's Michael so, break someone up the had to take care. Someone had to take care of mom and dad. Okay, <laughs> while he was out following his dreams. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, so Michael Brecker, uh, first solo album '87. Th- this felt like a big deal to me. I don't, I don't know what your memory is of it, or you were you're younger than me, obviously. But it's like th- this had lots of heavy hitters on it. You got Charlie Hayden on bass. You got you got um, Pat Metheny getting roped in to play on it, um, uh, and uh, and he's doing anyway, adding some technology to it. It's funky. Anyway, uh, yeah. let's me, me in 1987. It was just I was just switching between this album and uh, Black Celebration. <laughs> I'd love to hear uh, from the from the Michael Brecker self titled album of 1987. I like to hear the Syzygy track. And and do, do you do you know this track? I, do you spend time yeah, this? I remember it. It's got two and a half minutes at the beginning of just drums and and tenor sax, and it's kind of like his version of the Coltrane uh, spiral or no no a countdown. You know that mm. that track on Giant Steps where it's just Coltrane with drums, just going nuts playing whatever, and then. I'd love to fast forward about six minutes in. I think is where you got to hear the Pat Metheny solo on this tune. It's probably like my fa- one of my. F- okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now we're, we're going to find the Pat Metheny solo? <laughs> Brandon's already had enough. It's like, okay, get it. Sax and drums. <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't know if you can... It's probably stretching it to like draw a line between Steely Dan production and this album, but it's... It's a similar kind of very yeah. produced well, going, kind of sound. You're going towards the full into the contemporary. What were the jazz people of that time doing or interested in? Yeah. So yeah, maybe need to go a little further. But okay, it's coming. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll promise not. I'll really try not to sing along, or I'll sing off mic to the. No, nah, do it. Here it goes. Keep it up, Matt, Steve. Matheny solo. Make sure it's loud enough. <laughs> oh, it's so chill, so good. Here it comes. Okay, that's it. Then they get back into the groove together. Brings the sax back in. Anyway, that reminds me of uh, Pat Metheny, Charlie Hayden, um, Under a Missouri Sky, one of my favorite albums of the last 20 years. It's just a duet, just those two. Just them. It was so good. What's the the thread here, Steve? (laughs) Jazz music that Steve likes from each decade? The thread is literal blood ties, my friend. <laughs> Randy Brecker, Michael Brecker. So he's related Brothers. to what? They're play, related to Donald Fagan? That, that trombone album? Donald Fagan Do I have to spell co- it Donald out? Fagan covered? Tea Garden? Do I have to spell it out, you guys? Are they brothers of Tea Garden? Influenced Fagan and Steely Dan. Steely Dan... Has an influence on the Brecker brothers because they go. both play with them. Okay, I like it. And so there it's we go. a similar vein. I like it. Go. Now I think you guys know where I'm oh, going. Sh- <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! Sorry, I'm on one. Brandon is in so much trouble. Yeah. Where uh, are you going? I think where you guys. Going? I think you guys know where I'm going now. I know I do. Pixies. Yep. Mm. Uh. 
So this find is a way. Wish, find a way to squeeze the pixies in I there. I wish I could find the uh, flipping uh, interview pixies did with Spotify sessions. Which I don't know. It seems like Spotify evaporated it or erased it. Maybe it was part of this whole Joe Rogan thing or something. Uh, but they, I, they, they did a little chat that was recent with their current lineup, and they were, and and they kind of just got riffing and talking about how, oh yeah, the bands they like, and they like they like Steely Dan. Here's something I found though from an interview back in like 2014ish when they were kind of reforming again. It was before their current bassist Paz joined them. But here here's an interview with the Pixies around 2014, I think, and they're asking the drummer Dave Lovering which uh drummers influence you. Um when the Pixies began, uh he he makes rapid drum uh machine gun drum sounds. That was from listening to Rush. And it took a number of years, but that just got to be less and less. Less is more, stripping it away. But it was very busy at first. And he asked them, so are the drummers you look to as models of simplicity, of serving the song? The only drummers I can say I'm a big fan of are any drummer who drum for Steely Dan. <laughs> they're all session guys, and they're all the best there is. You can hear it in the songs. Hmm. And so I have that. In print, and I also have this other one that it seems to have evaporated. I can't find, but of of old Charles Black Francis himself saying that he also is a big fan of Steely Dan. I don't know how it filters into the music. Maybe the interesting lyrics. I love Pixie's lyrics. They're different, quite different than Donald Fagan or Steely Dan lyrics, but they are kind of just quirky and original in their own way. But rather than pick, I mean, if somebody put a gun to my head and say, pick which version of the Pixies you love the most, I mean, of course, original with Kim Deal, I love it. But I have to say, they're 2020. I mean, their their new albums sound pretty dang good. And their latest album uh, from 2020 is is a dang good album. Every f- flipping track. Sorry, I didn't, I'm not, I'm trying not to swear. I don't want to swear. Are we talking about <laughs> Beneath the Eerie? Yes. Beneath the Eerie or Irie, whatever, how do you want to say it? Uh, there's a three-song segment into this album that I just kind of got obsessed with, listened to over and over, and I think I know which one I want to pick from it. I want to go with Silver Bullet, but the song uh, just before Silver Bullet and just after, I mean, I like all the tracks on this tune, but uh, on this album, but this the the songs "Ready for Love" and "Silver Bullet" and "Long Rider." I just kind of got stuck in that three song rotation. But "Silver Bullet," you're going to hear some when you get to the chorus. You're going to hear some screaming guitar, Joey Santiago, which is kind of typical Pixies. The lyrics are going to be kind of typical Black Francis funky lyrics. This this song I think goes in the vein of like songs like Cactus or Silver, where it's like. It kind of feels like the Wild West or like a, a Sergio Leone film. <laughs> there it is. Oh, boy. I'm talking too much, huh? Is this mic on? Hello? Testing. <laughs> it's Brandon's version of the buzzer. <laughs> oh, that's I keep getting so texts from Josh Harmon. Saying, let's pick this up, guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
Play me some Silver Bullet and tell me if you don't just love the um, the guitar lick at the at the at the chorus or after the chorus. said to me I drew a blank and then I flew I walked the plank into the blue my heart beat in leagues of silence I walked along the coral snow I saw some lights an old hotel bell was wrong the glasses filled that cloudy drink that blackens bile the shade is drawn with stem and vine burned in the flame of a man condemned with venom wine and golden dawn a silver bullet in the chain Yeah, like man. It, if you're a like pix- if you're a Pixie fan, give that latest <clears throat> album a, a chance, man. I'm gonna. Haven't listened to I, it. At all. It's a strange genealogy. I, I really took some liberties. I know. But I liked it. I don't know. I loved the part where you worked warm leatherette into the <laughs> genealogy. <laughs> <laughs> Subconsciously so, controlling so, Brandon. So now, g- just repeat the four songs. Uh, Misery and Jack, Blues. Jack T. Garden, Misery and the Blues. Uh, the Babylon Sisters by Steely Dan. Uh, and then you have a branch in the family tree where it's the two offspring of the Dan, which is Syzygy uh, by Michael Brecker. And... Silver Bullet by Pixie. It's lovely. All right. Thank you, Stephen. I enjoyed the the path. It was a little hard to hear. There was a lot of resistance coming up in the, the evolutionary journey. But I, I could I heard it. I, I felt amongst, no amongst resistance. The jokers. I felt no resistance. I didn't feel it. I heard it. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talking over. Our listeners might not hear, though, because that might all get cut out. <laughs> all right. So I went with this one actually may at least check a few of, of Hillary's boxes um, in, in requests. And uh, hopefully it doesn't step on future New York discussion, but there will be some, some New York influence in here because the band I'm going to go with is the Velvet Underground um, and part of their whole... Their their whole thing is the New York of it all. I recently watched the the uh, Velvet Underground doc that's on Apple Plus, I think, 
really, really good. I, I love Velvet Underground, and I watched the the movie, and I ended up walking away with with even being me even more impressed. I think they have an unbelievably like long lineage that still is as strong today as you know i think it ever was so let's just pick a a first song let's go velvet underground oh what goes on just go what goes on this uh, straight up velvet underground this is gonna feel more traditional rock than what a lot of their stuff is All right, you can kill that. So that that's like Velvet Underground doing their their version of like somewhat traditional rock. Now, part of the the way they approach things, they really try it hard not to follow like traditional blues um, patterns, and they tried to go against like some of the R and B songs that were uh, that were coming up. They tried to really defy convention. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna th- go curveball. I'm gonna have you play one more song just to really establish their influence. Play Venus and Furs by Velvet Underground. So this, that's, I think that's probably what like a lot of people might think of and maybe what might make them unappealing because it's not a, for some, because it's not, it it doesn't sound like typical rock music, especially from there. So both those albums from the 60s. So I kind of looked at this in decades. So if we go into the 70s, what is the, from in the next decade, immediate decade after, what's the next uh, kind of descendant of the Velvet Underground. I'm going to go with a band we haven't really mentioned, I don't think, much, if at all. We've mentioned one of the key members of this band a few times, but I don't think we've ever talked about the band itself. We're going to go to Roxy Music. Um, now, this is, if you want to talk influence, this is like a really important m- moment in the Velvet Underground family tree, because once you established this point with Roxy Music. Roxy Music, one of the co-founders was uh, Brian Eno, who ended up having probably as big of an influence on pop music for the next three decades as as any human alive, produced, I don't know, everything. Devo, U2, Talking Heads, etc., etc. So the first three or four Roxy Music albums, Eno's still part of Roxy Music. He hasn't left yet. 
they're really good. I think underrated albums. Um, play, play the song Virginia Plan by Roxy Music. This is on their first album. Actually, that's a pretty good song. Yeah, I hear f- that Velvet Underground for sure. So br- there's this famous quote that has been attributed to Brian Eno, and I've never, I've looked, and I haven't found anywhere where he's refuted it. But the quote is this: uh, Brian Eno said the first Velvet Underground album only sold ten thousand copies, but everyone who bought that bought a copy of that formed a band. So, like in his mind, they were this underappreciated band that inspired thousands and thousands of bands including himself so he openly gives credit to the velvet underground for inspiring him these first three albums the whole brian eno branch is is just incredible if you listen to these first three to four albums that he's on with roxy music and then and then start going through his solo stuff go through the stuff he did with david byrne and then start going through the stuff that he produced he's the one that gave the edge his guitar sound like showed him how to use the uh what is he the uh digital Digital delay he he's the one that thank goodness he did that well you know talk about a one-trick pony that (laughs) turned into an incredible but he he helped i think he produced remain in light by the talking heads he produced some of the devo stuff he's he has had his thumb on some of the most significant pop music after this and when you start to listen to it all and then realize that it connects back much of what he was doing was finding these like weird quirky things that kind of defied convention kind of subverted what was going on at the time and i really think it's it's representative of that that whole velvet underground approach so 80s we're not going to play a song because we've already played multiple songs by this group, but the the logical progression in the 80s, I think, would be Talking Heads. Mm. Um, If you listen to Once in a Lifetime, that chord structure is actually borrowed very generously from that first song we listened to, What Goes On, and then the, um, the, the synthesizer solo is... A, almost a direct copy of. We don't have to play it, but I think we can do it, right? Yeah, do ba-dum, it. Boom, boom, right now. Boom, 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 Steve. Um, eighties, and then into you early nineties. The uh, the next logical. I'm not going to play a song here. I'm just laying out the genealogy because Steve already covered this one. Pixies, another direct descendant of the Velvet Underground. Uh. And if you don't believe me, <laughs> I'm going to go to a uh, Spin Magazine here. 
Oh boy! And oh boy. Uh, uh, Mr. Santiago, that I think Steve referenced in an interview, said we were listening to Doolittle in the control room. We were just saying, "Damn, this is a great record." And I said, "We're going to be those people that people are going to emulate and use as a stepping stone." I foresaw being the Velvet Underground of something. I Santiago says I didn't trust anyone who didn't listen to the Velvet Underground. That was that's well, his wow. that's his take. That's how important he felt they yeah, were. I believe. And did that. everyone that bought Doolittle start a band? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I <laughs> hope every, it's every, a great album. Everyone in this room, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say we're four for four. If we if we are representative of anything, I think it's four for four. I never started a band. I just tried to join them. All right, we're going to go nineties now. We're going to jump into the world of hip-hop. A little bit of a stretch, but it's still the Lou Reed connection. Uh, Obviously, we're going to go A Tribe Called Quest, Can I Kick It? Make sure you get the album version and not the (laughs) remix version. And uh, and this is an incredible Lou Reed sample. It. To all the people who can quest like a tribe does Before this, did you really know what I was? Comprehend to the track force, why? Cause getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz Rock and roll to the beat of the funk fuzz Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug Afrocentric living is a big shrug A life filled with that's what I love A lower plateau is what we're above If it diss us, we won't even think of um, Whenever something starts to have influence across genre lines Then, then I think it's really a, really a testament to, uh, to the, the depth the bre- Or I guess more, that would be more the, the breadth of the influence um, That takes us into the 90s And I think... I think uh, the tribe definitely would be kindred spirits now with with Velvet Underground. One for how they were subverting what was going on in hip hop at the time. They're very much defying convention um, in the face of gangster rap and what was popular on MTV at the time. And then two, the cool. I think one of the coolest things about Velvet Underground, and I really appreciated the uh kind of the the new york pride that came through in hillary's voice message thank you for that by the way is that new there are certain um there are certain cities that that just have this this musical flavor that uh, like i don't know if you can describe it but you can say it's part of what they do. And the Velvet Underground was so New York. A Tribe Called Quest is so New York. Talking Heads is so New York. I think you could probably do the same thing like in New Orleans or in Chicago, um, maybe a couple other cities. But I think it's it's rare that a city can become kind of as, as musically influential. 
And so when you start looking into digging into other, which I'll mention in a minute after I made my 2000s one, I think there's a lot of bands today that have captured that are outside of New York that have captured the uh, kind of that that whole ethos of of what Velvet Underground was doing. They've taken it in cool different directions, but their their influence is still there but at its core there still is just this new york thing that is really really cool about it so we're going to end on a uh, kind of a, a love letter to new york this is a band i mentioned before uh, as well but i think this is a, a great logical progression from velvet underground uh, we're going to go lcd sound system um james murphy's project and he's out of brooklyn if i remember right and he had a song called uh, New York, I Love You. And it's uh, kind of his love letter to New York. This one I would connect back to, like, if you go with the Velvet Underground connection, I would say this has a very strong connection to, like, Pale Blue Eyes, similar uh, tone, um, I-, I think. And it's this nice love letter to New York. It captures, I think, the intelligence, the snark, but also the wistfulness for this this um this community this art that comes out of there new york i love you but you're bringing me down new york i love you but you're bringing me down like a rat in a cage pulling minimum weight New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. New York, you're safer, and you're wasting my time. Our records all show you are filthy but fine. But they shuttered your store. When you open the doors To the cops who were bored Once they'd run out of crime New York, you're perfect Oh, please don't change a thing Your mild billionaire mayor's Now convinced he's a So the boring collect I mean all disrespect In the neighborhood bars I'd once dreamt I would drink New York, I love you But you're freaking me out There's a ton of the twist But we're fresh out of shout Like a death in the hall That you hear through your wall New York, I love you But you're freaking me out New York, I love you But you're bringing me down so jump to like he could always move to Baltimore if that's the thing you know? about New York though you could, <laughs> you could but it 
It's not New York. It wouldn't be the same. <laughs> Jump to like 65, 70% into this song. Yeah, here's good. So it's just this slow build. You can kill it. So the cool thing about the Velvet Underground, John Cale was a classically trained musician. He was very into art, and it I think it allowed him to break the rules. And they started experimenting with noise, with sound, and with with things that would kind of defy the, the current convention. They were very deliberate about that. And I think anywhere you see that today is is somehow connected back to what they were doing. Um, and then you still have, you know, whether it's the strokes, Arctic monkeys, parquet courts, you have these bands today that still combine kind of that punk aesthetic with, but with this intelligence and, and understanding of what they're doing that, uh, I think is, is very much as the influence exists as strong today as it did in the, 70s 80s 90s etc i don't go watch the doc there the the influence of velvet underground is still kind of blowing my mind i i agree with you i think one of our early episodes i think it was our 60s episode where i started i didn't i for some reason i thought velvet underground was more 70s and there was these songs from the 60s and i was like i can this is like what so much of the indie music from the 90s and the 2000s and now more than and so I kind of get your not to get too controversial, but your Beatles is overrated thing <laughs> because the Velvet Underground I hadn't ever put them in a similar category of as influential to today's music as the Beatles. But then when we were doing our '60s episode, I remember thinking a lot of this music sounds more sounds newer, like it could have been made by like a band you know, in the last 10 years than a lot of Beatles songs. It somehow sounds fresh. So that made me think. So now this is probably the most diplomatic way then that I could, could sum it up. I'll give the Beatles credit for inventing pop music. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't happen to like pop music, but if we're going to give them credit for inventing pop music, I want to give velvet underground credit for inventing indie rock and punk, which I happen to like more than I like pop. So there you go. <laughs> so thank um, you, Jason, for your turn. So, so Steve's going to say something. We and I know. Well, Steve, I just I was, go I was one, I want to hear. Bit, no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm fine for time, but okay. not not that we need to drag it out. And I'm feeling a little I, a little sheepish about my genealogy picks. I think I think you guys's were cleaner. Mine purposely took some liberties because hey, I wanted to get it some all things winded in. in the ways it needed to go. But no, yeah. I th- I wanted to hear at least the <laughs> opening of the LCD sound system track that really connects with Virginia Plain, and I just don't remember the names. Is it is that is it all my friends or what's the one that has a yeah? It's all my friends off of Sound of Silver. Should we hear that? Yeah. Yep. And it's a long intro. You could probably jump thirty seconds, and it'll still be doing this. More than that. Right. But it, I mean, this obviously connects with that sound from the Virginia yeah. Plain. But also, yeah, the the Velvet Underground, that kind of like 
every subdivision getting the equal accent, the, the you know, driving, then, 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 yeah. Then, yeah, yeah, driving rhythm, just yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I also think of tunes like Suffragette City, Bowie, other, yeah. other stuff that's in the air from that 60s kind of... And Bowie 70, was obviously 70s. very connected to the yeah. to Velvet Underground and to Brian Eno. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to do is the surprise uh, collaboration experiment, which is two-part, well, one part, but it's basically a stream of consciousness, round-robin, playing on the evolution theme, but instead of evolution, like, instead of there being a right answer of who's the descendant, it's more of a loose, uh, what's a free association. Free association. Free association. Okay. <laughs> can I do one, can I, can I ask for one favor? Because yeah, yeah. I, I probably not, I don't know when I'll work this in again, and I'm a little bit bummed I didn't get to do it. Let's hear it. So, I was going to do a, a, a Billy Holiday track, and she has this backing band called the Ray Ellis Orchestra. And then I was going to have you pull up a clip in YouTube. The Fat Albert Halloween special. <laughs> what? The entire episode. And I'm going to have you jump to the seven minute, ten minute mark. Do we not want to do the Billy Holiday one? Well, first? see, then I'm just being selfish and I'm saying I'm going to do two of these. And I don't want to be that guy. I'm just going <laughs> to selfishly still part of it. Okay. So the Ray Ellis Orchestra was this... this Ray Ellis was this this classically trained musician. He was he did a an album with as the orchestra for Billy Holiday. He was doing great stuff in the fifties and sixties, and then um, in the seventies he got this gig with a, a group called um, oh the group is called Filmation, and they did basically TV music. So jump to seven minutes. Can this be the first second free association? Well, yeah, I, I was going to make a connection, but it, I, it's it's so cool. I, Fat and Albert I, Halloween special. Halloween yeah, if special. this works for you, Jordan, by all means, run with it. Well, we'll just you already have some. So go ahead, Fat Albert Halloween special. Sh- jump, show it to us. It should we'll... be like a twenty-eight minute episode or whatever. Did you find it? Mm-hmm. Okay, jump to the seven minute ten second mark. MF Doom. Uh, so this is Ray Ellis with Filmation. He did this amazing Spider-Man music from the 70s, this Fat Albert music. He did a bunch of Hanna-Barbera stuff. Super, super funky. This dude that was a, had an orchestra that was backing Billie Holiday ended up with this gig doing library music for TV and movies. And so now, as Jordan mentioned, if you jump up to, like, go to uh, MF Doom... Mm, food poo putt platter <laughs> this whole album is one of my favorites this, this of you have this whole ray years. ellis chapter where he did like 20 years of the of library music nobody knows the name ray ellis but he was making these killer funky background tracks in 70s cartoons that ended up influencing like a whole subsection of hip-hop especially the mf doom of it all this is a platter of, this makes a, an exceptionally good late night snack, and also a dandy fly swatter. Ah, eyes are going, I can't hit it. And Doom was crazy because he was taking stuff. Between me and my masters. So, 
Doom produced this. His production name was Metal Fingers. And he would pull all this obscure stuff from TV. That was how he was making samples, which was part of what made his whole thing unique. But, yeah, you have this whole section. I wanted to give Ray Ellis his credit. Nice. Because he, he, uh, I was raised on cartoons growing up, being raised on cable TV. And I didn't know there was a name to this guy that was making all this stuff that I found um, audibly as appealing as it was visually. The old Spider-Man stuff's incredible. Oh, I know. Anyway. I watched an episode recently, and I was like, "The that, music of this." Is that was so my uh, that was my my guilty uh, my guilty. All right. Thanks for the addition. Pleasure. That, if you haven't listened, Steve and Brandon, to the album called Mmm Food by MF Doom, <laughs> that track is on there, and the whole album oh, I gotta check is it out. so good. So what I'd like to do is a, a free association collaboration. Not a competition. You can you can Always think a of it that way if you want to. There's not a right answer, but I'll go ahead. I'm gonna. What pick, does the winner get? I'm gonna pick a song, and we're gonna listen Pride. to minute, maybe a minute of it or so, and then we're just gonna go clockwise. And Brandon's gonna pick a song. It can that ties in somehow. Yeah, and it can just be free association. It could be like I don't know how this ties in, but in my head it does. I like this. I like this. And the other part of it is because we've talked a lot today, so it's gonna be less talk, more rock. We're just gonna listen. <laughs> We're gonna listen, and and if was we looking at if me we when wanna, he said that, no, I, I felt, I, if we want to say something weird. in between, it'll be like a little a little quip here and there. But mostly, we're just it's gonna be kind of like a speed round, okay? So rock out with your talk. I'm out going with with a T. The MF Doom that brought to my mind Sade <laughs> because Sade. <laughs> it's okay, Brandon. I, there's a song where MF Doom raps over a Sade thing, and so I'm just already starting picking up. Uh, free association the Sade song I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Kiss of Life by Sade that's the actual song that he sampled yeah Going in sequential order, you can go any year. You can go I mean, but we're yeah, we're gonna go. Brandon, Steve, Jason, and back. It's like we're functioning as a four-headed DJ that's got to keep the keep the party moving. Less talk, more rock, huh? Yep. You don't have to explain yourself at all. We're just gonna take it. At Although face I might value. demand that you explain yourself. Okay, let's uh, let's try this one. Reach out, I'll be there. Four tops. Is that a galloping horse? That's the tie-in right there. I blew it. This is the wrong song. It's all right. It's too. It's too thumping. This isn't a stuff. It's it not. A you got to stick with your jam. It works. Keep it. Keep it going. I know the one that Steve should pick, rounds. though. I definitely know the one Steve there's should no, pick. There's no should. 
There's no should. It's it's we're trusting the process. The main idea is we're riffing off the original track that was picked. Or no, no you're riffing off no, the current. The one that you're listening to now, you just freely associate what what comes, what song is next. And there's no right answer. Get rid of the idea of a right answer. Thanks for that, Troy. Because I, um, I blew it. <laughs> there's no right answer. Well, if, However, I'm, if I'm riffing off Brandon's track, here's what I pick. Uh, Wild Child by The Untouchables. There we go. Wild Child. Tempo keeps getting ratcheted up each time. <laughs> I like it. What year is this, Steve? This is it 80s? 85. How long do you want me to give him before I go? Whenever you're ready. Duran Duran, Rio. To keep it ratcheted up for you, Steve. Keep man, keep keep busy, okay. bass player. Nice job. You I'm guys go both did a good Ta- job Taylor after brother. I changed Scott the subject. Scott Walker drift. Ooh. Oh. Because of the f- the, well, I won't explain. I'm moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this might be the wrong song. It's from the album, The Drift. It's all right. It works. It was meant to to be. Kind of was. Is this the guy that does the the Rain song? Okay. The Rain song was Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. All right, I love that keeping one. it that going. Song, no one lives forever. Oingo Boingo. <laughs> oh wow! How did we get here from Sade? Mighty Mighty Boston's R.I.P. No. <laughs> little, little I was going to say, is this ska? <laughs> so next, Steve. Well, man, I can't, I can't help but not pick something I've already mentioned when I hear that dat dat dat, uh, and that is uh, the cover "Money" by the Flying Lizards. Let's hear it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Boingo stole it from these guys. I bet. 
life for free. <laughs> But you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what I want. Um. I think this is off the top of my head. I think I have the name right, but I may be wrong. X-ray specs, yay, bondage. Oh, bondage. Yes. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think. Oh, bondage! Up yours! One, two, three, four. What's George got for this? Okay. You know, I hear a little bit of, just a little bit of Courtney Barnett in there. So, Court, Courtney Barnett, and we're going to go with the tune, Elevator Operator, Courtney Barnett. sounded like it could have been in a Cheryl Crow song. <laughs> I Oh wow, that's so funny. I totally Yeah. Is We're still just, going? Yeah. Still going? Okay, let's try one more one more round. Liz Fair Stratford on guy. Oh wow. I hear it, yeah. Out of the farmlands into the grid. The plan of a city was all that you saw. All of these people sitting totally still as the ground race beneath them thirty thousand feet down. It took an hour. the gut right uh jonathan brook new dress jonathan brook jonathan brook jonathan b-r-o-o-k-e Crash the path 
I'm not familiar with. I want to just keep listening to it. Yeah, listen. Get to the chorus. You take me to the window, love, and you leave the light on. You take off my uniform and say, "Baby, put this new dress. Baby, put this new dress Johnny Cash, June Carter Cash, It Ain't Me. Mm. Go away from my window. Leave at your own chosen speed. I'm not the one you want, babe. I'm not the one you need. You say you're looking for someone who's never weak, but always strong. To protect you and defend you Whether you are right or wrong Someone to open each and every door But it ain't me, babe Now, 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 it ain't me, babe It ain't me you're looking Do you guys want to keep going? One more round or do you want to shut it down there? Sade to Johnny Cash. <laughs> it's a good. I, I yeah. had fun with that. I liked hearing hearing what you guys came up with and, and hearing my own associations. But well, I think that's it for our episode. Is that right? It was fun. Yeah. I like doing stuff like this because you know we obviously all have a, a high level of passion for music. It's even if we feel like we're taking creative liberties, you know, I, I that's. One, it's fun, but I mean, it is just variations on on the art form, and I love seeing the connections that people make. And one thing that I I thought was kind of fun, a couple places, um, we saw how these connections crept into either music or TV as well. And I'm always intrigued um, being around people that I that I like that I respect kind of seeing how they are interacting with with music as well in all all different forms it, and uh and I, I like seeing when you know I, I i'm very fascinated very intrigued because it does the same thing for me but the jordan can find the same inspiration or um emotion in score for like film or tv that in a lot of cases might exist in the background but is clearly having like a very mm-hmm. present effect. Um, and so if, I don't know, for me, the exercise is fun because this is kind of how I obsessively look at this every day of my life anyway. Like yeah. it's, it's always connecting. There's always these bizarre connections that are existing right. in my brain on it. And I, uh, you know, even, even Steve, Steve downplayed his, but uh, I, I love hearing the connections and the, sometimes the broader, the more creative I'm, I'm even more fascinated by. So Absolutely. quick question for you guys, before we wrap it up, have you, since our 1971 episode, which was a couple months ago, have you like me been listening to music and then, Oh, I wonder what date this is from and come across 1971 as the answer to two albums. 
because I have two different Morton Feldman's Rothko Chapel. Oh wow, 1971, yeah. and then just today when we were doing Earth, Wind, and Fire from Brandon's pick, I was looking them up and I found their their initial album, their self-titled Earth, Wind, and Fire, released in 1971. It's the year the, hmm. the year that keeps on giving. <laughs> I. Uh... I've been seeing all kinds of articles now about how 72 was the greatest year of music. Yeah. I think we're just going to see it every year from now on. There was something <laughs> special about those these, first those first few click, years. clickbait articles. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because they all listen to our podcast and they're like, and wait, they're wait, like, wait, wait, wait. How can we capitalize on this? Right. I guarantee you, right in our coattails. That's not what we did. That's what it is. <laughs> no, we invented 1971. Yeah. Brandon, do you have final, right. final thoughts for us? Uh, take us out with some sweet tunes. Yeah, this was a great time. Thanks, thanks for giving us that challenge, George. It was uh, it was stressful, but paid <laughs> off. Yeah, <laughs> I had a fun time with it. Yeah, it's good. Uh oh, the nice. end music's creeping in. What is it? Oh baby. Out of here, we're driving tonight. I'll tell you back. Roll out.